Gosh, this is so awesome, man. I never in a million years thought something like this would happen. Out of turn number four come the most powerful weight models on the planet, the world of outlaws. I call Scott my dad, and uh, <laughs> nothing like the best in the business, breathing down your throat your first outlaw win. Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 15 of Stick Signals. I am Ruben Morellis alongside, well, not alongside, again, I, I have that habit of saying alongside, guys, but again, you guys are 2,000 miles away from me, although we will be alongside for the next, uh, well, I guess not next four weeks because outlaws dirt car events it's all scattered around uh mick how are you i'm doing good man how are you doing out there i i'm doing good uh getting ready you know for the last what nine days at home before i'm i'm on the road till august right and you just spent a little bit of time up in my neck of the woods up you were up in seattle for a bit yeah i was uh the girlfriend wanted to take a trip to seattle and because she says all i do is travel and have fun but i travel and work i mean <laughs> my work is just fun i'm sorry but yeah she wanted to go check out seattle because she's a nurse and we're both going to graduate in December and uh, she loves Grey's Anatomy. For those of right. the people that watch Grey's Anatomy, you know, the nursing stuff. She loves all that stuff. So Seattle was the place and shockingly, there was a direct flight from our airport and we don't get very many direct flights. So we ended up picking up. That's that is interesting. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was beautiful. I, I never met the most friendliest people in my life. Everybody was friendly. The service was great anywhere we went. Yeah. The food is so organic everywhere you go. Everything yeah. is just about 80% of the whole thing is just organic. When, and, you know, you don't eat seafood and, and being up there, you can mm -hmm. probably see why I have no aversion to eating <laughs> seafood. It's so fresh out there. Well, well, the thing is where I live, the closest body of water to me, it's like an hour and a half. And before that's right. probably the next, after that is the, is the ocean. So yeah, no, the seafood over there was great. The marketplace, unreal. I mean, obviously right. you have the first Starbucks, but like the, the, the actual marketplace itself, like the seafood, the vegetables, there's vegetables I've never even seen in my life before. Like that, that was some stuff that you see on the Food Network and I've never seen that stuff ever before. There was a well, red bananas. Like what's a red banana? There was a oh, there was top secret stuff. You're not supposed to talk about red bananas. Yeah. And then there was like um, um, purple asparagus. And I don't know. I'm t That's just like kind of the basic stuff that, that I've never seen before. And there was all this other stuff and the fish. It was like full on just fish and ice. And I'm like, damn, like the seafood was so fresh. And obviously these mom and pop arts and craft stores. It was that's just a marketplace. And obviously the Space Needle, the ferry boats, uh, the Ferris wheel just uh, went to a Mariners game. And it, I, I, it was a yeah, it was a very good, good week. It put me behind and everything else. But it was just a vacation well needed because guys, we're getting ready for a for a big swing. But yes, Mick, I understand why you are who you are. Because over there, people are just so relaxed and chill and just fun and just healthy. Hi, I'm Mike Warren. I'm the third guy on the podcast. Uh, just thought I'd, I'd chime in at some point here, uh, and, you know, with all this talk. Well, you know. Uh, Mike Warren, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I, I, hey, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's a big weekend of racing. We're not racing, but hey, uh, you know, take, take it in stride because like you said, even though you got a little bit more of a hectic traveling schedule than we do coming up, yeah, we still got a big one. We're pretty much not off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for those fans that aren't caught up yet, obviously this weekend we're off with the outlaws. Uh, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Go out there, have fun. 
uh, enjoy yourselves. The following weekend, that Friday night, first visit to Circle City, and then we go to Plymouth Speedway. Plymouth is so much fun. I go there all the time with the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. And then the Dirt Late Model Dreams. Yes, that's right. 26th Annual and 27th Annual Dirt Late Model Dreams at Eldora Speedway at 100% capacity. Mike, that's going to be exciting. Uh, Yes, and just remember, it's the 27th Dirt Late Model Dream first. Then the 26th. Yes, the 27th is that Wednesday, Thursday, 26th, Friday, and Saturday. Wait. Yeah. Oh. No, no, that's that's correct. Okay. Yeah, believe me. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously the Dirt Car Summer Nationals kicks off June 15th. June is just busy. I love June because it's like full throttle, pound the cushion with all the races. And then the World of Outlaws are back at State Line the 17th. So you guys get ready for two back-to-back weekends because you have the Firecracker and Dirt Car Summer Nationals. It is just on from there. To see the full schedule, go to summernationals.com, modifynationals.com, and obviously worldofoutlaws.com. Uh, guys, uh, you know, coming off a, a weekend at Port Royal, a couple news and notes. Uh, this time mike i'm gonna go ahead and start with you on the news and notes well i i I don't think you have to be uh look looking under a rock to figure out where we're gonna start with this one uh smoky sweep yeah that's how i call it the saturday night and i'll tell you what i i said this was the first line i put in the recap friday night jerry reed said it best in 1971 when you're hot you're hot yeah and right now Chris Madden's hot. I love that Jerry Reed quote too. That, that that caught my eye. Yeah, no, I agree. That that was literally my first note too on on my sheet. Madden's hot, and uh, he he is. Uh, drivers have told me before, and I've said this on the podcast before. It's easier to get in a hot streak than it is to just win one here and there. It's it's way easier. And Madden just said you you got to stop tweaking on the car. He said that, and he's been great. Uh, the guys unloaded it, Ricky and Steve, his crew guys. He said it in victory lane the first night. He is so proud of him. Coming from Chris, that means a lot. Chris Madden, uh, you know, is very good with Ricky and Steve, and he left the car exactly the way it was mm. at Mississippi Thunder that night. That's a 3.8. We went to a half mile. He feels so wow. comfy that it worked under a 3.8 to a half mile, and it shows. Just between his his last four wins, obviously his first one is at Smoky Mountain. He became the first driver to win three and then win four. Um, 12K at Smoky Mountain, 22,500,000 in Mississippi Thunder, 10K at Port Royal, 15K at Port Royal, totals up to $59,500 on top of $2,200 for just qualifying this past weekend. That's $61,700. Hundred dollars just in winning, and I believe I might be off here. It was you might want to add another five hundred to that too from the two driving heat race wins? Oh yes, that that is correct. Uh, he he is over a his, and this is all on the website. It's not inside information. Uh, he's over a hundred thousand dollars in win wow. in winnings and earnings. A hundred thousand six hundred and sixty dollars. Madden is hot this year, and he missed two races. And yeah, and he missed two races. Yes, Mick, he missed two feature events. Now, granted, he may have been at those events, but he he did not make the features because of the whole provisional stuff. And Chris Madden has third, uh, excuse me, seventeen starts. The next driver to have seventeen starts, Ryan Gustin, and he's seventh in points. Uh, it's just unreal to me. It's a twenty-six point difference for the point lead, and I'm sure that's part of the news and notes here coming up. But let's just talk about that now. 26 point different. He actually went up in points because it was a 60 point gap entering the weekend. It was. He only he only chipped away eight point or four points. I'm getting the uh, getting the Super Dirt Car Series and ours mixed up for a second the way the points go. But uh, he 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 chipped off a little bit Friday night because Brandon finished third. Yep. But Brandon and this is one of our news and notes. Uh, the Rocket one car did not look great Saturday no, night. Not. No way around it. And. I think just from the heat race, they were trying to chase it all night. And usually you see Brandon in the redraw in some case, but not the case in this one. And I 
you know, I believe Brandon ended up finishing in spot number 15, I want to say, on Saturday night. We're yeah, it was 15th on 15th. Saturday. And, you know, that first of 15th is a big thing, and he cut a huge chunk out, and I said it to Chris after the race. Now we got a point race. Yeah, Brandon Shepard uh, finished actually 14th that second night, and Brandon – it's crazy because that's that's the third night on that car. We thought they figured out the Gremlins and Mississippi Thunder because he won that first night at Mississippi Thunder. That was the first night in that 2021 Rocket XR1. And then obviously the second night did well on the podium. Then, wow, they just did not adapt very well to the half mile. But again, these drivers have to take advantage of that because, again, don't push the panic button. He's still in the point lead, guys. But, I mean, for how long? That's the question. But, I mean, he's still up there. Um, it just makes the points way more interesting. And, obviously, the fans love it. Uh, if you're a Shepard fan, obviously, you don't love it. But, yeah, it's just going to make things way more interesting. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes if Shepard gets it back together. Really, if you look at the, the gap, though, to third, like Chris Madden pulled a huge – uh, you know, like he yarded third, third on packing points, yeah. And then he ca he's catching Shep. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty interesting uh, behind Madden in the points because Tyler Bruning, guys, that's my next news and note. Uh, Tyler Bruning takes the Rookie of the Year point lead for the second time this season. He told us on Stick Signals that he loves half miles, and it showed at at, at Port Royal because he he was fast in hot laps and came out and kept that speed up in qualifying and put himself in good positions. He was in the redraw. He did really well. He takes the rookie of the year point lead now third in points. Now he moved up 136 points behind Shepard and there's a tie for fourth. But let's talk about Bruning real quick. He has been under the radar good all year. You know, he hasn't. I mean, you only look at the stats so far this season. He only has three top fives, but those 11 top tens are the third best in the series, which where he is in the series standings. And he's just quietly racking those top tens up. And that's what you have to do in this situation. Because you get a night where we're at Port Royal. We have a lot of guys that run Port Royal weekly that are sprinkled throughout the field. And we'll get to one guy we have to really praise here in a little bit. But Bruning just quietly rolling off those top tens. And that's what's put him in this position. And you know, he's a guy that his crew has done a great job with that team. And I'll tell you what, the 16, if either of those top two guys slip, he's not that far behind, but he's going to have to reel off some wins for that to happen. Yeah, he is. And it's funny because Rick said this driver may get his first win here soon. And I, I agree. I mean, Tyler Bruning has been so good. I, I expect that team to at least win one or two this season. Looking at the money list of, of our points is interesting, too, because Bruning's only at 37,000 and then. It goes back up to 54, 46, 47, 40. So on the money list, he's like he's like eighth, I think. But he's running third in points. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. But keep in mind, the guys that are ahead of him have wins. Yep. That's really what it's it down to. Strickler, Strickler's there. I mean, Bobby Pierce has 66,000 between two wins, essentially. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. And I was looking at the money that uh, money yesterday. It's, it's crazy how Shepard's still good. And obviously, he's in the points lead. He's just been so consistent. You look at Kay Dillard. Uh, anyway, yeah, that, that's interesting. And, and I agree. I think Bruning gets a win this year. He's been very fast, very good. It's going to be interesting how it goes, especially like Sealands Grove. That's another big half mile yeah. that, that he's going to be good at. There's a bunch of half miles that we go to, especially on the, on the northern swing. So keep an eye on Bruning this year. He is red hot. Uh, guys, tie for fourth in the points. Uh, Kyle Strickler slips down one. He's fourth in the points now, tied with Ricky Weiss. Ricky debuting a brand new. This was a brand new sniper. This was fresh off the jig. Uh, this is the one that we're going to run at the beginning of the year. And it wasn't ready. They found some issues, so then they got it out. This was an official brand new sniper. He did good that first night, and he did good the second night. They literally were cutting and welding uh, the day before the the second race. And uh, yeah, I think Ricky Weiss. I 
hopefully, you know, it looks good here in the near future for him. Well, we're not that far away from a track that he's been where his last win was last year at Jackson either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you, we, we all know Ricky's going to heat up when we head out west. I don't think there's a question about that. But he's another driver. It's quietly those consistent finishes. But that is Ricky Weiss's mantra. He's always been consistent. He's got nine top tens on the season, four top fives. He's run well. And, and you know, I, I've said this again. He may have a win at Boone. We, we don't know how that plays out in that 100, yeah. in that 100 lapper, but yeah. that incident with Strickler ma- made a big difference for both of them that night. Yeah, it did. And now they are tied together yeah. for fourth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just crazy how things work out. Uh, Kay Dillard, sixth in points. He didn't move up or down. Um, he is 196 behind Ryan Gustin, moved up one silently, guys. Ryan Gustin is moving up through the points. He is seventh now. Um, how about Gustin? He had never been to the state of Pennsylvania ever, like not even for vacation. This Iowa boy had never been there. For the first time, Gustin did so good at Port Royal. Remember when we talked to him at Mississippi Thunder and he pretty much said, you know, this is the weekend I'm going to know if I belong, if I could run yep. well with these guys. You could see his confidence is shot up like a rocket Oh yeah, at this point because that top five Saturday night was huge. And you look at that, you're like he knows he can run with these guys now. And I, like I said, I think you're going to see a lot better runs out of the out of the 19 for the rest of the year. And he's been good, and he's finally bringing it together. And I think he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, a good eighth place finish that first night too. It's a good solid top ten. And and Ryan said I should have just finished at Mississippi Thunder Speedway. He was actually going for the win, and then he broke that first night. He said I should have just finished, and it would have been better. So he he would have probably been better in points right now. But yeah, Gustin said. He belongs here, and he knows that. So it's going to be good. Good eighth and third weekend for uh, Ryan Gustin. Going to be interesting how that team keeps rolling with momentum. Dennis Herb Jr. falls down a position. Uh, he goes to eighth. Uh, Boom Briggs in ninth didn't move. Brent Larson in tenth. That's your top ten in points. Uh, my last news and note really is Dan Stone's third place. Uh, we saw well, and and I wanted to just touch on a couple locals. Um, Ross Robinson made that redraw that first night. Uh, Ross, I'm, I'm so glad he's getting support behind his back. You know what I mean? He did really well. He got more support, more sponsors to, to you know, risk it for the biscuit. And and Dan, how about him? Pulls out the backup car and figures out the backup car is better. Ain't that crazy how things just work out like that sometimes? Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about his third place finish on Saturday night, but he was also the hard charger on on Friday night yeah, too. Past twelve so he cars, passed a ton of cars, and he was he was very impressive to watch. I mean, the the other the other Pennsylvania guy, I think, who needs no introduction with the World of Outlaws, twenty eleven champion Rick Eckert. Mm-hmm. Nobody was surprised by his two runs over the season, and like we were talking beforehand, he has the uh, third most top fives out of anybody on the tour this year. <laughs> <laughs> and he's 11th in points, which is absolutely crazy to just think so about. He, he doesn't run with us as often as I, I know we would like to see him, mm-hmm. but when he does, he's been good. Yeah, he's Rick, been good. Rick is, you don't win this tour on accident, folks. Yeah. He's been good, and I'll tell you what, I love having Rick. I, I think my favorite part about Rick Eckerd this weekend, he came all over to all of us to holler, who are you guys? Because <laughs> there were so many new guys <laughs> yeah, on the tour, it was faces. funny. He's only entered 11 races. So those six top fives, eight top tens just come out of 11 races. So Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's 11th in points. He's 11th I, in points. 11, 11, 11. He, he, he basically he leads the guys that aren't tour regulars. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day. And and he could probably hop on tour right now and probably He'd play. He'd put a dent in it. He'd put a dent in it. He'd uh, put he, in. He's, he's 700 behind Brent for 10th. So yeah, it's not that's like the thing. it'd be that's a quick. Thing, yeah. But yeah. hey. Uh, he's been good. 
he's been really good. Um, we miss Scrub for sure, but good past champion there. Mike, that that really wraps it up for my news and notes. How about, uh, do you have anything else? I, I think we got to talk about the uh, heartbreak really for Brandon Overton on Saturday night too. Mm. We talk about how good Chris Madden is, but Brandon Overton had that race won, and I talked to him afterwards. He he knew it was a mistake, and he, he believe me, if you want to know who was the most frustrated about that race, it was Brandon Overton, and he knew it right away. Yeah, and obviously it was the Billy Vasek Memorial. Brandon has told me, they had a uh, 7,500 to win local race. I think that's the one that Ross Bales won. I think it was at Modoc. And and he said, I could have easily stayed home. But honestly, Billy Vasek was his crew chief uh, back in 2019 when he ran with Rum Runner. And, and he said, man, I, I, you know, I really had to come up here to pay my dues. The family lives five minutes from here. It's just all respect. And this is the only reason I came, you know, to, to pay my respect. And um, it was just so sad to see that. But guys, we, we talked all weekend long about this track is so slippery. It's different because I was for the Dryden heat races and dirt vision. I had to interview him and the skills was in turn three. This is the first time I've kind of experienced this where they go full throttle, obviously down the back straight away. And they just slow, 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 like around, around the corner. They just turn like it's unreal. Usually they're just hammered down, pounding it. Like that's what I'm used to. And it was a completely different experience for me, but it's so slippery at this racetrack. Well, I can tell you haven't been to the Northeast much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get, I get, is that a Northeast thing that the, I'm assuming? The tracks slick off a lot more up north oh, than, yeah. than you think they do, believe me. I wasn't sure how it was going to do it because Port Royal has the red clay, mm -hmm. too. But no, and Saturday night was a lot slipperier than Friday night was. That's for sure. Oh, also. yeah. And I think that definitely. obviously having the 410s, those things with wings on the card with us yeah. definitely played a factor yeah, in it. Blew all the dust yeah, out. they definitely slicked it off when they came out for their heat races and qualifying and all that stuff. But yeah, I totally agree. The racetrack was just so so challenging. The drivers described it as line sensitive. And, and I agree. Brandon Overton just went one and two and just slipped up just a little bit. I mean, that is just absolutely tough. Um, Port Royal, though, uh, it. it it, it was fun. It was a good little fun racetrack. And uh, just to let the fans know, it's an insider information. They ran out of water, which is a crazy thing. If they had a little bit more water, mm. it would have been, you know, just a little bit better of a racetrack. But I thought it was still great and can't wait to be back in the future. It, it's going to be fun. You know, that was surprisingly, that was my first Pennsylvania track. <laughs> Seems weird to say. Really? Surprising. But, but yeah, I just, because I was locked up in announcing sure. gigs, I couldn't make it down really sure. ever. And actually, Port Royal is not close to home. No, if you really a, think about it, yeah, it's, it's on not. the other side it of PA. Seem, it seems like it, but no, not even really. It's, it's just it's, even from Albany, that's a six-hour clip. Yeah, yeah, you have to cross all of New York and still get to the Canadian border, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to essentially, Vermont, essentially, yes. Yeah, so uh, no, that's cool. And, uh, you're gonna enjoy all these Pennsylvania racetracks, as we mentioned. Race fans, you can watch every every single lap live on Dirt Vision. You got State Line coming up. I went to Thunder Mountain Speedway last year. That place is fun. Uh, Jared Miley almost pulled the upset. That was the last time Brandon Shepard won before 70 at Mississippi right. Thunder Speedway. Yeah, that was the very that's exciting right. one with Jared Miley mm -hmm. on that restart when Greg Satterley blew up. Um, Sealands Grove, that's a big half mile, and obviously you have the Firecracker. The Firecracker is gonna be big. Yep. So uh, you you have two fun weekends coming up in Pennsylvania, uh, which I'm a little jealous about because I'll be with the Summer Nationals yeah. that first weekend at Kankakee, Tri-City, and Fairbury. Fairbury, though. And then the next weekend, obviously, Spoon River, um, uh, I-55, and Sycamore. But yeah, have I'll fun, be, Mike. I'll uh, be Mike. at Lernerville, and you won't. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. will be at Lernerville. Be at I was going to say, what, 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 am I not going to a World of Outlaws <laughs> late models race? <laughs> it's oh, kind of part of the job. You didn't know? <laughs> oh, boy. I'm looking forward to yeah. that, too. And that's just because of my, you know, my nickname, Dynamite. That is the coolest trophy ever. I, Mike, have you seen the trophy yet for the Firecracker? I have not. 
Oh my God. When you see it, it's, that's literally the first trophy I ever saw when I went to World Racing Group's office. Um, uh, Jonathan at the time had the white van and he was putting it in the van. I was like, whoa, that's cool. He's like, pick it up if you want. That sucker is heavy. Wait till you see it. It is one of the coolest trophies in all of Dirt Lake Model Racing. <laughs> we still have to do our segment of the coolest trophies. I, I think, yeah, we're, yeah, we're going we to start planning that. We got to wait for, I think that's got to be an end of the year thing though because we got so many trophies that we, I have yet to see. We have some, yeah, some new tracks that are going to have new okay. trophies for them. So yeah, let's 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 go throughout this year because and maybe we do historical, but let's finish yeah. this season out. Yeah, we'll have to, like how we did our report cards. We're going to have to take a trip to Mooresburg. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's uh, me and Mick were there last year. Oh, my God, that is unreal. Any trophy you could imagine was there. It was unreal. Plus some. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do that. Obviously, race fans, for those of you who enjoyed the last one with the report cards, that was a lot of fun. I got a lot of fun uh, comments from that. A lot of fans chiming in on that one. Um, And then... We'll well, do yeah, the, they we'll, just like you because you're the best teacher in America. No, I am not. <laughs> if anything, well, they like you more because you're more of a realist. I'm just too spe- nice. Speaking of Mooresburg, Tennessee, uh, one of the biggest things from last weekend was Strickler and Blomquist teaming up. Yeah, that that eight car rolling out was kind of I, – I liked the, the number. I, I know there was some criticism over the paint scheme. but I, It made sense, though. Yeah, it made sense, and they probably hadn't had time to make a lot, but it's basically an infinity sign playing off the yin-yang they, sign that Bloomquist used. So. They definitely didn't have time because Kyle, when I talked to Kyle for the story that it's out on the World of Outlaws website right now, the – you know, he it was Wednesday when he went yeah. down. They worked till pretty much seven o'clock in the morning, Friday morning. That's awesome to get there, which sounds perfect. And, <laughs> but hey, they did what they had to do. That's exactly how they work up there. And they left the Mooresburg, Mooresburg that Friday morning too. So, right. Mick, you're yeah. exactly right. They had no time to go put a wrap on it. Like, yeah. But by the way, I I I told this to Kyle I, the other night. I go, Jesus, Mooresville, Mooresburg. You know how hard this is to actually try to remember. You yeah, know, a lot I know of bordering states. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know they didn't have the performance they wanted, but that's that chassis is so different than the stuff he's been running. So hopefully uh, they could stay on tour for a little bit longer through the re- throughout the rest of the year and get the thing dialed in. Yeah. Um. So I was mentioning about the, those report cards. We we did that before the weekend that Dennis Herb Jr. Yeah. finished fourth at Farmer City and second at Fairbury and Wilmot. Um. I just wanted to touch up on him because I was really looking forward to him going into Port Royal. Um. They did their homework. That's all they said. But I, I got a little bit more out of them. They, they, they went out and got to work on their balance, on their suspension, and th- th- they were better on the other car. But this was the other car. That's not the, This is their big track car. This is not what they finished very well with at that Illinois weekend, Wisconsin weekend. So we'll see what Dennis Herb Jr. has here in the near future. Hopefully he turns it around. They did their homework. Hopefully that 28 turns it around. Yep. Well, and going into Circle City and Plymouth, those are – Two tracks, I think that will suit that other car. Yeah, Circle City is going to be a curveball. Calculations are correct. Yeah, that's curveball for everybody else. It, it, yes, it's a curveball, but everybody's on the same playing field. Yeah, I think it'll be an equalizer. I think I mean looking at the pictures of the track, I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, at first I was like, uh, in my my personal opinion, I'm just going to throw it out there. I thought it was a little too flat, and then it raced so well that opening weekend. So no, it's going to be good. Uh, late models are going to be phenomenal there. Um, I cannot wait. Obviously. I get to go there two times this year, guys, World of Outlaws and Summer Nationals. So, uh, yeah, new racetrack. That, that's a great thing. Um, we hear about tracks shutting down, but we hear about tracks opening up, and that's Circle City. That is amazing. So it's, it's going to be a great place and, and a great spot of all places. And, uh, guys, I'm glad we brought that up. You guys have the opportunity to, to sit down with Jonathan Bird and talk about Circle City Raceway. So let's get into that here on Stick Signals. 
Okay, so we're here today with Jonathan Bird, the the promoter of the the brand new Circle City Raceway. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, man. So, how did this racetrack come about? It, it really wasn't there before. Am I am I right there? Well, yes and no. There was a uh, they called the backtrack there at the Marion County Fairgrounds. It's been around for who knows how long, decades. I'm guessing. And um, about five, six years ago, I had the idea. We were highly involved with uh, the Ryan Clausen uh, stuff that we were doing, the Chasing 200 Tour, my brother, and, and, you know, he did the 500, and we did all this, you know, short track stuff. And I thought that promoting a midget race in Indianapolis would be a really cool idea and needed a dirt track. And I'd seen this dirt track uh, in, the, in the past. And long story short, there was uh, interest between the fairgrounds and USAC and, and, you know, ways to make it happen. There wasn't a lot of infrastructure there, but we, we could figure out what we needed to do. And I just didn't have the financial wherewithal to, to proceed with that. And then the Indianapolis Speedrome opened up and uh, I was able to, to come work for the new owners of the Speedrome as their general manager. And uh, last summer during the COVID, we were sitting around talking about business and business ideas and dirt track racing. And I was just kind of amazed by how much, you know, everything I was watching online on all the different racing apps, just like how everybody was just packed and dirt racing was just amazing. And I said, you know, I had this idea a few years ago about the dirt track, you know, we can explore it. And we talked about it and little did we know that the Marion County Fairgrounds board had just voted to want to reach out to somebody like us to, uh, to promote and take over their backtrack operations to make it uh, become more of a viable enterprise. And, so the timing was serendipitous for us to talk and discuss and our ideas and what we wanted to do. And we really were able to, to, uh, to come together pretty quickly with a, an agreement. And we took over on October 1st and just had our first event uh, last weekend here at Circle City Raceway. So a lot happened in eight and a half months. <laughs> now, you got to feel pretty good to have that first one kind of out of the way a little bit because I, I know it just – from my experiences, any opening night at a racetrack has got to be one of the most nerve wracking things possible. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we, we've been putting in, you know, 16 hour days for six or, you know, four or five, six weeks in a row as we were finishing up grandstands and concessions areas and, and paint and concrete and millings and the racetrack preparation itself was just kind of the last, uh, the last second thing that we, just kind of learning more and more and, and the fine art of racetrack prep. So, um, you know, the actual racetrack operation itself is, uh, you know, we've been doing it for years and already with the, with the asphalt track here at the speed drome. And it's just a matter of fine tuning and working with the great uh, series that we brought in. And, uh, it was really just a lot of fun. We had, uh, we had a great, uh, a great enthusiastic crowd, I should say. And, uh, the racing was fantastic and, and uh, so we're hoping, you know, I think, I think bullring racing dirt, you know, small dirt tracks is just, it's really kind of really cool, especially when you got to be elbows up and, and go out and, and muscle your way around the racetrack. So it went well. I had a great uh, e uh, text message from the all-star circuit champions owner, Mr. Tony Stewart, uh, the next morning that he said he couldn't even tell. It looked like the first, he didn't even, he couldn't even tell it was the first night nice. of a new racetrack. And he gave me two thumbs up. So that was pretty cool to get that. That's pretty high acclaim. Now, that was a dirt service when you when you took it over. Yeah, it was like a little fifth mile kind of flat. Really, was more for like motorcycle racing or monster pulls or demo derbies. You know, more fairgrounds things. So we really have 
turn turn into a world class, you know, quarter mile type of you know surface and and uh, and, and and you know Scott Petrie with Petrie Excavating, who was the man responsible for building the uh, dirt oval inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, was our track designer and builder, and so uh, rave acclaim to uh, what he did at the Speedway, and so. I think he's getting the same applause for what he's done with Circle City Raceway. Now, what does it mean to you to be able to have this dirt track pretty much within the city limits of Indianapolis where there's been so much racing history? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, there hasn't been a dirt track other than the three years at Bush Stadium. And then, you know, other than the the, the, the fairgrounds mile at the state fair, you know, there's just not been dirt racing within Indianapolis. And so for us to bring it about, and I think we've got a great opportunity to be a showcase track and I'm really wanting to position us to have really incredible racing with bigger shows. You know, we've already got, you know, our, our first year schedule is, is just loaded with incredible series like the world of all late models. And then the all-star circuit champions, we've got a USAC midget week race, which is just hard to get. And we've got a, a USAC sprint car race our first year. And we've got the ASCS 360s coming, you know, to tour our racetrack and a lot of other regional tier- series and, and we've got just about everybody on board who uh, to, to bring really great racing to the fans of Central Indiana. And, you know, there's just been a clamor for folks that they didn't want to have to travel an hour, hour and a half to get to a dirt track here in the city. And now they don't have to. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the facilities there. Are there places for people to camp? Um, what, what are the grounds like there? Oh, we've got a, a the fairgrounds, you know, is really beautiful. We've got uh, full parking for. On our side of the fairgrounds, the Marion County Fairgrounds, it's kind of part of our lease where if you want to do any camping, you just reach out to the fairgrounds on their side of the property and they've got plenty of, they've got full hookups. They've got just, uh, you know, camping sites for if you don't need a hookup or something like that. So anybody, they got tons and tons of parking for that type of stuff as well. Uh, But we have, uh, we've got, uh, you know, we've got pavement, we've got concrete, we've got nice flat areas. We've milled our entire parking lots, our, pit area is also entirely milled so uh you don't you, you we're not going to rain out because the pit area you're not going to get stuck another robust trailer is going to get stuck in the pits that's not why we're going to ever call a race so that's really great you know so there's not no one's going to get stuck in the mud and then we've uh, we've got uh, state-of-the-art concessions um, materials you know my my food ser- my background is in food service for many years and so you know i made sure that we have the best racetrack food in the country and and uh, it's definitely, uh, it's affordable. We've done, uh, you know, for the pricing of all the major, you know, here in Indianapolis, you've got Lucas Oil Stadium and Victory Field, our baseball stadium and the different arenas and stuff like that. We've got the best concession prices. You know, you don't have to pay to park. You don't have to, uh, and kids 12 and under are free to all of our events in 2021. So it's something for everybody. There's something for anybody who wants to, just have a fun night out if you know we're racing on thursday nights friday nights we've got some sundays we run 10 straight days during the mary county fair so we've got a little bit of something for everybody to be able to come out and enjoy world-class dirt racing here in the circle city now of course you got summer nationals on the schedule also coming up on july 14th but one thing you know after that first event with the all-stars you know are there any improvements you feel you need to make right away from those first couple events you know, there's, there's just a couple things, you know, we're just like with any new dirt track, it's, you know, it's hard to get rid of all the rocks, but we're definitely um, making progress. Uh, I know we rented some, uh, some rock clearing equipment more this week. So we've been clearing rocks out of that. Um, 
uh, we weren't able to get all of our billboards up and then we got a, we've got a, a 10 foot by 24 foot video board that didn't quite make it last week so we've got that improvement that's coming in next week in time for the July or the June 4th race with the world of all eight models uh, we've got um, you know we've still we've put more millings down all around where you know so uh, that's still happening as well. Uh, just little refinements for the for the competitors and the teams, you know, layouts and stuff like that. But by the time the fans see the world of all late models coming out, and we've got a full night of racing with legends and and mod lights to race that night as well with the with the late models, uh, it's going to be a full action packed night of racing. So all the the facility, you know, bathrooms are clean. Uh, mama's going to be happy to come to the racetrack. So if, because if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. So we got good clean restrooms for the girls and for the boys, the clean, you know, we've got clean concession stands, hot food, cold beer. I mean, I always like to think of, I always think of what uh, Humpy Wheeler said about there's three T's in uh, promoting a racetrack and it's tickets, traffic and toilets. And I think we take care of all three of those things rather, rather great for uh, being a new facility. Now, what excites you most about having the World of Outlaws late models come to Circle City? I, I can't wait to see them on our racetrack, just the racing itself. You know, I was curious and it was just going to be, you know, how was the racetrack going to race uh, with 24 cars on the racetrack? And so to see the track filled and that the leaders are going to have to navigate traffic and the best driver is going to come through the field to to win that first ever ten thousand dollar to win late model race at Circle City Raceway. I mean, that's going to be fantastic. The fans are going to love it, and we're going to have uh, do everything we can to make it uh, this, along with the summer nationals events. Uh, ones that the driver circle on their calendars that they can't wait to get to Indianapolis. So this would be the first time a late model goes around that track. So far you've just had open wheel cars. Uh, we've had one crate late model, just kind of turn a couple laps, but, uh, but yeah, these will be the first big time laps coming around, uh, at circles. And I think I want to say, I, I, and you guys could correct me if I'm wrong. This will be the first race in decades in Marion County. That's a uh, world of late models or within Indianapolis has run, it may have been two or three decades as well. So another history-making event. We're making history at Circle City Raceway with this event. Right on. Where can people get tickets? I, I, those are on your website, right? Yeah, circlecityraceway.com. You can uh, click on the schedule tab, and then all the schedule has get tickets right next to that. And they're $25. Kids 12 and under are free. But we'll also have plenty of tickets available at the gate on day of show. Same price. And uh, we look forward to having everybody come on out and uh, – we do take credit cards. Let everybody know that credit cards and at the concession stands and all the ticket booths. And then you can also get pit passes as well. And we do ask nobody to bring coolers in. That is an insurance thing for us, but no coolers, but we've got, like I said, great concession stands and great prices and everybody will have a great time here at our new track. That part of the world too, with with that dirt and a little boring, it's going to be pretty exciting to see late models turn some laps around there. Can't wait. Oh, I can't can't wait to see either myself. You are correct, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on today, uh, Jonathan. Uh, good luck, and uh, can't wait to see you out there at the track. All right. Well, looking forward to seeing you guys. Take care. Have a great day. It sounds like it's a really great venue for for a new track. I think fans are going to have a blast there. Uh, 
I like the idea of camping in Indianapolis to watch a late model race. That's a little. I mean, I like it. And like, you know, as every race for me this year, first time I get to go to Indianapolis. So that's going to be pretty cool. Just as like Thursday, see some of the sites, see a little bit. And obviously with the way it's working out, because I'm going to the dream, we're not really leaving the area. So I'll get to explore a little bit more. You'll be immersed in the culture of Indianapolis. If if you know me, I've already found a go-kart track that I want to go to (laughs) to actually get behind the wheel. So, yeah. I mean, I just love the Indianapolis airport because I'm a sucker for die cast and like they have a big die cast yeah. store there so like i'm already in when i get to the airport oh good to know yeah exactly and i have to wait <laughs> an hour and a half for eric to pick me up anyway so it's perfect i'm just gonna go watch and spend all my money maybe no i can't because my suitcase has to have room for the next three months <laughs> going to be on the road but yeah it's a great area and i'm glad this area finally gets a good dirt track because there's a lot of great dirt tracks in indiana we go to Terre Haute. that's another half mile that i actually like uh, they're always side by side there you have brownstown which we start the summer nationals at uh, we went to kokomo last year uh, plymouth and all these um, putnamville gas city and i'm so glad circle city's open i cannot wait to go there you, you said suitcase. That thing you bring with you on the Hell Tour is not a suitcase. That's that's an old-fashioned steamer trunk. That thing, I had a rental car, and we try, I remember I took you to the airport. We had a rental yes. car that the thing would barely fit in. All I had was a duffel bag, so a duffel bag and his thing filled up my what, rental would car. Would that cost like $100 to check? <laughs> Actually, no. Being gold with American, your first bag flies free, so I, I don't have to pay those $30, $60 round trip up. anymore. <laughs> so, so I take advantage of it. Hey, um, they, they told me, the essentials, no more. Bring whatever you want. It was the American email. I'll forward it to you. But hey, this whole month, uh, listen, Dirt Car World of Outlaw Uniforms, it just regular clothes it's on this if summer you're, if you hop on a plane and they ask you to move to the other side for ballast on the plane there's a good chance that Ruben's suitcase is in the bottom of that plane <laughs> 90 percent chance for sure well mick you know what's going to be in uh my suitcase is definitely going to be my uh 4.0 lawnmower our good friends at manscape uh support from today's episode comes from manscape manscape has the right tools to get the job done quickly safely and father's day is just around the corner and you probably need a gift for a hairy dad make your dad proud this year and get him yourself get him and yourself actually a manscape lawnmower 4.0 an ultra smooth package you know what they say like father like son if you want to get the complete package get manscape ultra smooth package it's a three-step kit to help keep your family jewels protected the brand new lawnmower 4.0 and ultra smooth package is perfect for you and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code stick signals 21 at manscaped.com and race fans don't forget don't wait to get to the track uh for, to get your merch of the world of outlaws whether it be the late models or the sprint cars go to store.worldofoutlaws.com can't wait to get to the track uh how i said Avoid the long lines. Go there. Slide over to store.worldofoutlaws.com to get your official World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings, Late Model Series hats, decals, hoodies, and other great souvenirs. Buy $50 worth of merchandise and get free shipping anywhere in the continental United States. Why stand in line? Buy your Outlaw gear online. Visit Outlaw General Store at store.worldofoutlaws.com. 
com. Uh, guys, we got to sit down with a uh, Boom Briggs, and <laughs> Boom. If you know Boom Race fans, he is absolute character. He's a fun guy. Every time, the mayor of dirt track racing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to point out for for people listening to this, you can. So Boom is actually in his bucket loader, loading trucks of full of mulch, which is his, what his business does. So you can hear in the background, like you can hear the hydraulics moving, and he seems a little distracted. That's because the man is sitting inside of a bucket loader, talking to us while he's loading trucks. Yeah. And if you've ever seen Boom, you see him at the racetrack. He's got the Bluetooth in both of his always, ears, and he, he's always. always on the phone. <laughs> always on the phone. So now we, now we know what he's doing. He's on podcast interviews. <laughs> yeah, he's on podcast <laughs> interviews. I'm just I'm just happy I got to come out of the little Bluetooth piece for once. I feel important. You know what I mean? It's all, yeah, it's, yeah. It's all business all the time. Here is Boom Briggs. Boom, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Just a little bit busy right now. Now, you say busy. Uh, obviously, this is the busiest time of the year. You're with work, obviously. Race fans, I'm going to say this right now. There's no busier driver in the Outlaw Series or any late models driver busier than uh, Boom Briggs. He, he is absolutely busy. Uh, Boom, what are you doing right now with work? Uh, right now, I'm sitting in my front-end loader waiting for another truck to come to load. And uh, I've actually been sitting in this loader since 6.30 this morning. Wow. Jeez. So... <laughs> We're in the mulch business, and this should be our busiest week of the year leading into Memorial Day. So, like, I left Port Royal, drove straight home, went to bed at quarter to four in the morning, Sunday morning, got up at quarter after six, was in the loader by seven, worked till two, and then went to a local race on Sunday night. Now, do you guys, do you do all the mulching stuff yourself? Do you break down the, the bark dust and have a chipper and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, I got two big tub grinders. Uh, and where we're at in Pennsylvania, it's all hardwood. So what we do is we go to sawmills. You know, I have contracts with them that we keep them cleaned up. So when they debark the log, we haul – every day we were hauling out of sawmills. So I've got a stockpile it daily. And, you know, you let it sit here and rot. And come mulch season, you know, you start grinding it and selling it. Uh, we'll talk about your business here in just a little bit. Uh, let, let's get into the racing part, Boom. How'd you get into racing? My dad uh, started in 1981, uh, which my dad and Chubb are first cousins. So, And Chubb's parents and aunt and uncles had owned State Line and Erie's. And my dad was family, so they, they were always up there in the late 50s, early 60s. And you know, he married my mom, and finally he could afford to get a race car. About I was 10 years old uh, when he started racing, uh, and it's just been a family thing. Our our family races. So you started racing, uh, I want to say kind of late. I'm not going to say late, but like mid-30s, is that right? Well, I did race when I was in high school, and I got out of high school and raced for a year and got married, had a kid, and... Uh, kind of just worked and then you know i started always took care of my dad's car uh then started helping chubb and chubb moved over here to lotsville i mean the race shop and the truck shop are only half three quarters of a mile apart and right now i'm talking to you the mulch piles halfway so i'm looking at chubb's shop but (laughs) so i just my kids were getting a little bit older and i started going with chubb more and more and then Really, I think it was November of 05, my dad had a heart attack. And uh, so when 06 come around, I didn't go racing with Chubb. And he said, you know, you might as well start driving it until I get to feeling better. And 
that's really how I got back into it. If it wasn't for my dad, mom, uh, and really our whole family, I wouldn't be into it. Now, were you a crew chief more before you started racing? Because uh, you're still the only person to ever be the crew chief of the year for the Stars and for the World of Outlaws. Uh, well, I always worked on my dad's stuff, uh, even when I was racing in my teenage years. I mean, I always helped my dad and took care of his stuff. And then when Chubb moved over here in 99 or 2000, even probably 98, you know, I started going with Chubb more and more. He needed some help. And, you know, the difference was when I started helping Chubb again, I had a little bit of racing experience. So, you know, we won a lot of races together. Probably argued a lot, but we won a lot of races together because I could watch the car, give them good feedback, and, uh, that's just the way it was back then. I mean, we're all family, so you did whatever you had to do back then so you could race. Chubb Frank is your cousin, how you mentioned. Give us a good boom and Chubb story there. Oh, there's a many. I don't know how much time you've got. We got plenty. I think it was Oklahoma one time. It rained, it, it rained and the car was sitting on jack stands, and they decided they wanted to hot lap, and... Uh, he got in the car, it was on Jack's hands, wouldn't start, and he got to yelling and screaming and carrying on, and I got, I come out from underneath the car, and I said, well, then, piss on you. <laughs> Sit right there. <laughs> and uh, Rick, Rick Ecker and uh, Hoghead come over and started working on it, and you'd have to get the true story from Ecker, but that's a good one, but the best story is when Chubb won the World 100. Uh, I was on the back straightaway giving signals, and he will tell you that literally the last few laps, he could have high-fived me because I was, back then the racetrack was way different. I could get right out on the racetrack. So that's probably the most important one, most memorable one, winning the World 100 with Chubb is, uh, you know, we won it together and worked together. That's amazing. You're on stick signals, and you literally helped Chubb win the World 100 on, uh, with stick signals. That's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. I thought you might like that story when you told, texted me earlier, but no, that was a cool story. Uh, and he, I mean, he he's told that story many a times, but uh, obviously nowadays you can't do that. But uh, no, that was a very cool time for both of us, and uh, to be a part of that, you know, it's something that we accomplished out of Lotsville, Pennsylvania, which is in the middle of nowhere, with no big sponsor, no big money. Uh, I'm still proud of that. What What year was that? I think it was 2004. I mean, it was the last year that Earl Earl had sold it to Tony at the end of that year, so it was the last World 100 that Earl owned it. Wow, that's awesome. That's special, too. That, yeah, absolutely. Um, switching stories now. So instead of Chubb, Daryl Lanigan, he's your one of your best buddies. Give us a good Daryl Lanigan boom break story. Let's see. We were in Florida this year fishing, <laughs> and he's been down there two winters now with me fishing, and now he's a pro. So he snags an alligator. And I could I couldn't send you the video of it, but... I saw it on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, this decides he's gonna drag it to my boat now, i'm not that was just a little baby alligator a six footer or something but he was all about it well the alligator jumped off and kind of hung around well he kept 
casting to try to catch this alligator. <laughs> so that's a yeah, that's a Daryl Lanigan story trying to catch an alligator and bring it into my boat. Your gator bites are pretty good, man. Yeah, gator bites might be, but that gator was not coming in my boat. <laughs> um, I want to t- touch more on racing, but now that you talked about your boat and fishing, what does Boom do when he's not racing and not working especially? I The only thing I do is look forward to November or 1st of December when I can go to Florida and fish. So from 1st of April to 1st of November, I'm either racing or working. There's no in-between. Do you stay down there in Florida then, just go right from fishing into to, uh, Durkar Nationals and all that? Yeah, actually, my wife, uh, you know, when my dad passed away, we were fortunate to keep his motorhome and bass boat and his RV spot and everything. And my wife stays down there all winter. And then, you know, I still got to fly back and forth for work and our business. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful for my mom still running the business or with my brother and you know, that I'm able to do that, but going to Florida fishing is one thing that me and my father could do without arguing or fighting because we did everything together, worked together, raced together, and both very hard-headed, both very stubborn, but I'm very fortunate for the path that he led us and, and got us to where we're at. So I treasure going to Florida because that's one thing I got from him that actually is about one of the only thing that relaxes me. So I love, I love it down there. And obviously you have to consume some bush light. So let's, let's switch to this topic before we talk about bush light. Uh, you made the switch to rocket this year, boom. How's that been for you? You know, it, it's been really good. Uh, I've had a lot of help. I mean, uh, Daryl had some ups and down. He switched also, but, uh, you know, got a really good friendship with Chris Madden, Brent Larson, uh and even mark mark has really helped all of us and uh i'm gonna be 50 in july i'm done switching cars i feel like this is the year that we can get everything together and once i get through mulch season here where i can more concentrate on racing you know i want that one national win and then it's over i'm probably probably gonna go away and go fishing but uh the rocket deal has been good. I've got three of them now. And, uh, you know, I talked to Mark a lot, uh, and Chubb, I mean, you know, people have wrote Chubb off and, you know, I want to give Chubb a little credit here. Chubb still understands race cars. Um, and I call him a lot from on the road and I'm just fortunate that I got a lot of help behind me. Um, I could use a little luck right now, but you know, Chris Madden told me Saturday night, you got to quit changing stuff. So that's why we race Sunday night. And I feel we got a way better program now. So we'll see. We'll see here in the next couple of weeks. But I really feel like the end of the year here is going to be better. So what what would you say your biggest challenge is ever, ever since you switched to the rocket? Because like last year, you were a qualifying machine. And this year, I feel like you're just a little behind the eight ball, but you're still there. You're, you're, you're still good. So what's been your biggest challenge in these rockets? Uh, I think we've worked too much on feature setup and not qualifying setup. But I think we're going to get back to where we're qualifying better. And uh, I've learned a lot of the last couple of weeks from, you know, Chris and Mark and, 
even Bren Larson. I mean, the four of us have kind of worked together a little bit and everybody's tried something different. And, you know, obviously it's been working for Chris Madden. He's won the last three races and 47,000. So fortunate to have him as a friend and somebody that's willing to help me. Uh, so just the challenge is me doing all the truck driving and getting my butt home as quick as I can to work this time of year. So that's more of a challenge than anything. Yeah. Crew help's been a tough deal for everybody. That's why we've lost a lot of guys on tour. Um, boom. You've been racing a lot more this year, even non outlaw events. And obviously you'd be racing this week, but obviously this is the busiest time of the year with the business. I predicted at the beginning of the year that you'd get your first world of outlaw win. What are your thoughts? Does that win come this year and where? You know where I'd, I'd, I'd love it if it came at Lernerville Speedway because I went there in 1981 with my father to race. So Lernerville's always been special. I grew up at Stayline in Erie. Uh, and I've come so close at Erie, two or three outlaw races. I can win every race at Erie, but an outlaw race. So Thunder Mountain, we were really good both nights there last year. Um, I really wanted it in Deer Creek, Minnesota, but the outlaws don't go there anymore. But Deer Creek, I've led twice there. I personally don't really care where it comes. It can come in California. I wouldn't care. <laughs> but when it does come, I'm telling you, I don't care. I'm not racing the next night. Breaking news, we will be racing Calistoga in late models. Yeah, there you go. I wish. I mean, yeah. I wish so, the so obviously, <laughs> if you know Boom, you know there's bush light in the cooler and the hauler. How, mu how much bush light would be consumed the night you win? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not just in the hauler, but in the whole county. The problem of it is I get a bad rap for having all this beer, but I really don't drink as much as everybody thinks I do. But honestly, I really don't care anymore what people think. But somehow I've obtained a lot of friends over the years <laughs> in my truck because I'm one of the only ones that has cold beer. Yeah, I'd say that's more likely. The The crowd at the back of the Boom Briggs truck is usually all has beer in their hand. Exactly. So, which is fine. I mean, my dad did a lot for a lot of people and that's how I was brought up and uh, I'm okay with it. It's, uh, it is what it is. I don't, I did an interview a couple years ago at Charlotte Motor Speedway and here's a very good saying. It costs nothing to be nice. Exactly. So. And it's funny. Back in my marching band days, I would always motivate the band by saying, what? you could be the boringest person or you could be the, the, the poorest person on the planet, but you can always give something. And that's encouragement. And I'm glad you said that because it costs nothing to be nice. And that's why I love you, Boom, because you have a good personality. Well, I appreciate it, but I didn't realize you were going to bring up this marching band. He's actually not as embarrassed about it as you'd think. <laughs> He's not. I am. I'm embarrassed for him. <laughs> yeah, no. Now, you can edit that out. But, <laughs> but Jesus, I can't believe you brought it up. But go yeah. ahead. Oh, no. That stays. Um, Rick, uh, oh, oh, I say Rick because that's my next question. Boom. You're Quit calling me Rick. Yeah, well, that's, that's the next thing. Your real name is Rick. Where did Boom come from? Uh, my grandmother. My mom's mother my grandmother uh my dad's name is also rick and uh i'm not a junior we have different middle names but uh, when i was a couple years old if anybody knows me i've been accident prone my whole life but uh she started calling me ricker boom ricker boom because i was 
falling down all the time, jumping off something, whatever. So the record got shortened to boom, and to this day, there's a lot of people that really don't know my real name. Yeah, that's that's always been an interesting story, and I'm glad you uh, let that out. Uh, your card number is 99B, so is the B for, for Boom or for Briggs, or what's the story behind your card number? Uh, it, it's for Briggs. Uh, it was my dad's number, and, you know, I got to race because it was his car, and I just, out of respect, I'm never going to change it. So uh, back when he was racing late model, you know, there was Donnie Moran, and there was different 99 cars. He'd go to Pittsburgh, there was... Uh, ben Miley, and there's just always been a B on it, and I've never taken that B off there. It's respect for my father. Boom. Um, obviously, you started a little late in the racing career, uh, racing full time, I'm gonna say, but obviously, you helped your dad and all that. Who do you look up to growing up in the racing world? Um, uh, really honestly, Chubb, because nobody really understands how he got to where he was at and how he borrowed money and the help of the, his mom and dad. And, uh, listen, he, he has built more than he's ever bought because he didn't have the money to buy stuff. Uh, when he started winning all them stars, stars races, he didn't even have a hauler. So, and Chubb has done a lot for me. A lot. I mean, we might fight and argue and carry on, but I still got a lot of respect for that man because right now I'm looking at the, the race shop as I'm in this loader and, you know, he's up there working and uh, Chubb's a lot smarter than people ever give him credit for. And as hard as he's worked, and like I said, he always had to build stuff because he couldn't afford to buy it. And the older generation might understand it a little better than newer generation because the newer generation just buys everything. So, uh, really it's, it's, it's job. I mean, there's, there's nobody who I grew up with and no pun intended to my father by no means because he was always driving truck or running loader or whatever. And it was always, we had some help that took care of his race car, but, uh, and because of how hard my dad worked, we get to enjoy what we got now. So, yeah, really, it's it's, it's Chubb because I know how hard he worked and what he came from, and how he had really nothing, and he was winning national races. We we often call you know refer to Dennis Herb as the one man band, but you're also on the road primarily with just one crew guy, Shane. What what does he mean to your program and to have that consistency and sort of a partner with you on the road? When Shane's done, I'm done. Shane's like my son. <laughs> he was uh, best. He still is best friends with my son. Uh, they went to high school together. Shane does so much for me and given up so much for me that uh, he means the world to me. Like, to me, he's like another son. And uh, he even yelled at me here a couple weeks ago, and I respect it because it's his passion too. So. And, and we've had a little bit more help here since Florida. We got another kid calling that's been going with us. And, uh, you know, my nephews go with us and work in the shop some. So this year, the last month, we've had a little extra help. But we were so far behind that it's taken us that long to get caught up. And, uh, you know, that's why we came home from Port Royal and went to Tri-City because I let my nephew run another car, another late model, just 
to do some testing and, you know, because we do have a little extra help and that's the only way you're going to get better is you got to do some testing and you got to put the work in, but you got to have the help and help is definitely hard to come by. You, you mentioned nephews. I want to touch on this. Hunter Jordan, I, I talked to him at Thunder Mountain last year and he said, uh, I, I believe he said he was your nephew. Um, talk about him. Obviously, yeah. So he's now the new announcer at Thunder Mountain Speedway at, what, the age of 14, which is amazing to see these young announcers come up. Talk about him for a little bit. Yeah, Hunter's a great kid. Uh, me and his father are cousins and uh, grew up together, and me and Scott did everything. His father, Scott, I mean, we did – we were growing up all the way through high school. I mean, yeah, me and his dad go – Back a long ways because uh, he's a year older than me. But uh, I mean, heck, I can remember our first job. Both of us was up to Saline Speedway picking up gar- garbage. So we used to clean the racetrack every week. But uh, no, Hunter's a great kid, and uh, I mean that's exciting. Really, 14 years old has the passion to be an announcer at a local dirt track. I mean, you know, I'm big on grassroots. And uh, I was talking to Kyle Larson about it at Bristol. I mean, there's a guy that's really big about grassroots. And uh, I think that's awesome. But, you know, I've got three nephews. One of them's just started racing, which my dad would be so proud of. But, you know, like Hunter, being an announcer, 14 years old, I mean, we need to get the younger generation involved in dirt motorsports. Uh there's a gap right now of younger generation and in our sport. And I'm a big believer of promoting grassroots, getting younger people involved because it's just, we're lacking a little bit. There's a generation gap right now in uh, dirt track racing. In my opinion, there is. There is. There seems to be a, a disconnect between the younger generation, but, also, this year, though, we have a rookie class that is incredibly uh, competitive with guys like Bruning and, and Strickler and them coming on the road. Where do you see this current state of, like, late model racing as far as talent goes? Uh, there's some talent. Uh, definitely talent. I mean, Kyle Strickler, I mean, he's raced for a long time in big block bonafides, uh, you know, E-Mods, been all over the country. I mean, very talented. Uh, Tyler Bruning. I mean, he has really stepped up his program this year. He's doing an awesome job. So we just need to keep, we really need to keep attracting younger kids to get in it. Because like I said, I'm getting ready to be 50. And no offense to Scott or Billy or Chubb, I'm not doing this when I'm 60 years old. So, and I've got three nephews and, you know, my brother's got three younger boys and, you know, we're going to try to keep racing as long as we can, but I know I'm not going to be 58, nine years old traveling up and down the road. How do you think we get younger people involved in dirt lake model racing? I think it's more just awareness going out and, you know, it's like what my family's doing. We're investing in these kids to get them involved. Uh, And I really believe these national series or even the local tracks. I mean, you need to get into the high schools or into the auto sports class and Bo tech or career centers in these high schools 
that they're going to have to go out and start promoting it, start getting people, you know, that you and no age, uh, you know, look at them. I mean, how many kids down there? So I think it's just your series, your tracks are going to have to get out there and promote. And uh, I tell this story a lot, and you guys are too young, but Don Martin at Lernerville Speedway in the 80s, when I was a kid, was a true promoter. My mom would be sitting there with us three young kids. We were 11, 9, and 7. It'd be a cold March night or April. He'd come down, take us up in the warm booth. He always offered the out-of-towners a motel room. We need to get back to the Don Martin Lernerville days of the 70s and 80s of true promoting. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think well, I was having this discussion the other day with somebody about um, you know, big events or prestigious events and what, what makes it a big event. Really what made it a big event was at some point the promoter said, this is a big event. You need to be here. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You, Absolutely. You got guys like Humpy Wheeler on the NASCAR side that were just, I mean, Humpy, Humpy would bring whatever. He'd bring tanks and. <laughs> it didn't matter. He did. And, and people kind of, it seems like the last couple of years we've kind of forgotten that. And uh, that's a really good example. I mean, and, again, and the same thing goes back to like Don Martin on a local night. If he had local people tow two, three, four hours and they didn't want to drive home, he back then it was 20, 30 bucks for a motel room, but it doesn't matter. It's the principle of it. He would go around and offer people motel rooms if they didn't want to have to drive all the way home at midnight. And in my book, that's a true promoter. I mean, he was trying to take care of the racer to come back to his racetrack. And uh, we've got off that a little bit because, you know, the, the mindset now is we pay big money and everybody comes. Well, I, I still believe we need to get back to a little bit of the old way, the grassroots of true promoting, true take care of the racer because you take care of the racer, the people will come. Now, boom, uh, Let's move aside of the promoting deal here and, and your nickname, Bear Lake Bonsai. How, how did that come about? I know there's an interesting story to that. <laughs> well, you really have to ask Eshelman, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was 2008 or nine. I don't even remember. I rolled over in Canada, got a concussion. Then I rolled over at Lernerville maybe the next year or something. I mean, it was really Rick Eshelman that, that started it. Uh, and then Ron Flyley put it on a t-shirt and I guess it just went from there. Honestly, I can't tell you where or when or how that happened, but that's kind of how that happened. We'll have to get to Rick on that. You're, now, the other thing you're known for is the mayor. Um, a lot of people really don't know this, but you said you're a very friendly. <laughs> I don't even know where that comes from. <laughs> you're, you're, so, so you're the mayor of dirt track racing because guys like Jonathan Davenport, you said you get along with, you know, Brandon Shepard and, and Madden and, and Larson and all them. So you're technically the mayor of dirt track racing. How did that all come about between all the guys? I really don't know. I mean, yes, back in the day, I talked to everybody. Last year or so, I've kind of tried to keep more to myself because I got so much going on, and really, I just want to be more competitive. But, you know, I've just made a lot of friends over the years, and uh, I, 
probably just from talking to so many people, but uh, I, I really don't know where that came from. Well, I guess the answer I got, and obviously our good buddy Suave, obviously you're very good friends with him. It's just you're just the mayor of dirt track right because everyone calls you everyone calls boom and that's why we wanted to have you on stick signals you're just always a joy to talk to and and you know honestly boom we wish you the best of luck thank you for running with us with the outlaws and thank you for joining us here on stick signals as well i know business comes first you're sitting in your truck right now probably waiting to make a another load no i'm sitting listen now i've loaded this triaxle because i'm hauling i'm having this triaxle haul from one pile to another pile I've loaded this triaxle three times while we've been talking. <laughs> I, I could hear the bucket moving in the background, by the way. There you I go. I could hear the hydraulics. Yep. <laughs> I knew you were working. Yes. No, I'm not. I told Ruben earlier, I'm like, listen, you can call me, but I can't just stop for 20 or 30 minutes and bullshit with you. <laughs> you might be the first. I'm sure you're the first guest that's been on from the, the seat of a bucket loader. Well, I'm sure. Probably the only one you're ever going to get. But now you you guys call anytime, and Ruben, please get your green card. <laughs> Got it. That is the classic Boom Briggs right there. Always a jokester. I just love talking to you, Booma. Again, thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, anytime. Ah, uh, Boom, what a character. If you ever get to see him at the at the track vans, uh, buy a T-shirt, go talk to the guy, grab an autograph. He'll let you sit in the car. He's just such a cool guy. Uh, good old Boom Briggs, and we're glad to have him on tour. Some real quick house cleaning notes. Uh, be an outlaw. We, we talk about this campaign all the time, race fans. If you are not on the Be an Outlaw train, get on it because we are excited to announce that all levels of Be an Outlaw Challenge are now officially open. Get ready to start your engines. What is to be an outlaw challenge you may ask it's our way to get you closer to the action and level three ups the ante with a special outlaws only free yes free fast pass live stream of the may 28th world of outlaws nos energy drink sprint car series event at the Terre Haute action track in Terre Haute, indiana and to make it even better you will have VIP access to the driver's meeting live at the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series Command Center before the race. Mick, that is huge. Yeah, so so to, the, the way you get this free um, free broadcast is to go through the level. So you need to sign up for, for being outlawed, beingoutlawed.com. Follow the steps, which at this point are to sign up for a Dirt Vision, uh, free Dirt Vision Vault account. Um Watch a series of curated videos, which I put together, so you should enjoy them especially well. And then um, on May 28th, you'll have access to um, this free broadcast from Terre Haute, which will have some live elements um, augmenting it to make you sort of feel like a VIP, like you're at the track. And and we're pretty excited to announce it, and we have uh, all the at-track stuff is starting to come into uh, play because COVID restrictions are going away, and, and we're back to 100%, so look for those uh, perks at the track soon. Yeah, it's amazing. Go to beanoutlaw.com. Uh, Check that out, race fans. A lot of great things there. Uh, if you don't understand the levels, go sign up and you'll understand it. Get to that level three and bam, you are in for a good fun uh, fun little um, free fast pass there. Anyway, uh, Dirt Vision Weekend Preview, Friday, May 28th. The World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series at the Terre Haute Action Track, which we just talked about. Attica Raceway um, has a very good racing there. Jacksonville Speedway as well. That's Jacksonville, Illinois. Uh, Saturday, Knoxville Raceway. Sunday is, I mean, this weekend, Mick, is the biggest weekend for motorsports. And Sunday, obviously, we are racing too. The Super Dirt Car Series are at Weed Sports Speedway for the Heroes Remembered 100. The Hussett Speedway uh, has the Hussett Speedway NOSA Sprint Cars. And then Monday, uh, Memorial Day, we have 
three events lined up on Dirt Vision. The World of Outlaws and NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series are at the Lawrenceburg Speedway for the Memorial Day Spectacular. Super Dirt Car Series are at the Lebanon Valley Speedway for the Mr. Dirt Track. And the Hughes at Speedway has the uh, Ben Nodorf Memorial, which is very uh touching for the late model world obviously snowdrift uh blair nodorf the, the the ben nodorf memorial there at the hughes at speedway so a lot of great things happening on dirt vision uh happy memorial day weekend to all our heroes out there thank you all so much for what you do for us if it wasn't for you we wouldn't be able to do what we do and obviously uh, we remember those who gave their lives uh, you know so we could enjoy our freedom that's a uh that's a home track that was mentioned there uh when you were going through that, my friend, that is a home track for you. I, and I'm surprised Lebanon Valley Speedway is my home track. And I'm surprised I'm looking forward. I will be watching on Dirt Vision. It's going to be a lot of fun. 100 laps. Mr. Dirt Track USA, one of my favorite events of the year for the Super Dirt Car Series. You got to watch the high banks of the Valley of Speed. All right. I'm giving a little PSA for that. But, hey, you know, I got to I got I got to I got to give my home track some love here. You do the same thing if it was Vado and, you know, oh, oh yeah, I know. I mean, last year, January 2nd through 5th. When the outlaws came, I made that the biggest race of the year. You know what I mean? Uh, I totally agree. The home, hometown love. I'm surprised you will not be there, but hey, it's all good. Um, I'm going to the 600. Yeah, there you go. So it's one of those, you know, I've never been to a cup race. You got to do this while it lasts. Boy, are you going to a long one? Well, it's also, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm getting in for free. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you there. some pro tips. You're very fair scanned. Bring as much sunscreen as you possibly can. Oh, I've, I will not listen to that, but yes. <laughs> You're going to be so burnt. Pace yourself with the beer. Pace yourself. It's 600-mile race plus tailgating ahead of time. I can't tell you how many times I've taken a nap at that race. Now, Mick, how many times have you worked that race? The 600? I never worked cups, yeah. so I never I never was at uh, a 600 on the other side of the wall. I've always been able to jo- enjoy that Sunday. Um Man, it's usually my favorite Sunday of the year, right? So you wake up with Monaco and mimosas, you have some mm-hmm. bourbon uh, while you watch the 500, and then by the time the 600 comes on, you're just drinking beer and having some brats <laughs> while you you fade off into sleep. <laughs> and you wake up with like 20 laps to go, and you're like, hey, yep, I'm here. It's perfect. Then you pass out for the rest of the day, and you have all Monday to recuperate. That is amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> well, uh, guys. But this year we don't get to do it because they already ran Monaco. Whatever. I They're, know. I can watch an old tape or something. You, you can go to uh, Be an Outlaw or go to the exclusive page on Dirt Vision. There you go. That's what I'll do. I'll go to the vault and watch an old uh, sprint car race or late model yeah, race. L- or late model race, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the, the sprint cars are open wheel. I think Monaco open okay. wheel. That, that makes sense. All right. Good deal. Well, <laughs> there you go. Everybody enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you next week for episode 16 of Stick Signals. Until then, take care, my friends. Have a good weekend, everybody. Yeah.